Welcome to the New Work Revolution podcast on NewWorkRevolution.com. Take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution. Here's your host, Brandon Allen. All right. Welcome to the New Work Revolution podcast here on NewWorkRevolution.com. This is Brandon Allen, and I am excited to be recording another podcast. So today I want to talk a little bit about a important leadership tool, and that tool is trust. And today specifically, I have three ways that you can build trust with your team that if you do these things, will be able to influence what happens in our organization. And for leaders, what we want to do is we want to create an environment where influence can exist. Too many leaders want to create an environment where control is the way that they manage, control is the way that they set things up, control is the default management style that a lot of leaders go to. But influence is all about getting people to follow our direction and execute with or without our presence and interaction in that particular exchange. And so when we can build trust, we build credibility with our team. And when we have credibility, I've said this a lot of times about leadership, that is the currency that we have to utilize with our team to uh, get things done. And so the first building block of trust is rigor in your logic. And so here's what I mean by this. And here's another thing I'm going to say as a disclaimer. I ran across this note a long time, you know, I, I wrote this note a while back and I don't know if I got some of this information from somewhere else or if these are my own thoughts. I'm actually unclear as to, um, did, you know, I wrote it so long ago. I'm not really clear if these are my thoughts or someone else's. So if you think I ripped you off, um, please tell me because maybe I did. And um, I'm happy to cite you if you feel like, hey, this is uh, from something that I created or something that I read. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I just know that sometimes I write notes in Evernote and then I go back to them like months later and I'm like, oh, what did I mean by that or where did that come from? So anyway, as I go through this, I digress. Um, That is where, um, this is kind of where we're starting here. I just wanted to get that out before uh, we we really get into the meat here. So rigor and logic is the first thing. And, And what do I mean by that? I want to, as a leader, I want to be someone who is credible. And if I can be credible with my team, what that's going to look like is that I have put some thought into the decisions that we make. And so there's a lot of things that I think go into this whole, you know, having rigor in my logic or really understanding, um, you know, the, uh, any process or, or, or endeavor that I'm undertaking. Right. And so Planning is a big piece of this, right? When I create planning, it just tells my team that I've thought this through. I think your own personal growth as a leader is a way to create some some rigor in your thought process by actually understanding and knowing and realizing how you show up in certain situations, how certain things look when you're involved in it. Where do I have strengths? Where do I have weaknesses? Those things are uh, building blocks to really letting people see that, hey, this person's credible because they really think through things. One of the things that I talk about a lot is 
the nine decisions model from Brent Bradshaw. And, and Brent had showed me this years ago. And there's two things in Brent's decision model process that I think are so important and so overlooked. One of them is facts. What are the facts to support your goal? So when we go through the model, we have a motive that's mission, vision, and values and other things, right? Why do you want to do the things that you do? You set goals around your motives. But the problem with goal setting is like a lot of people don't want to do it. And a lot of people don't want to do it because they're like, Brandon, it feels really arbitrary. What if I fail? What if I sell this or set this lofty endeavor and I don't reach it? And so then they realize like, oh, well, like it seems too nebulous, so I'm not going to do it. But when I put facts to the goals, when I put facts around the things that I'm doing, I set myself up for success by actually looking through my goals and reverse engineering the process to see, is this something that I think we can realistically accomplish? Now, it doesn't mean we're going to accomplish it. But if I've put some thought into that and I can explain that to my team, that's going to go a long way in the process of building trust with those people. So facts are important. But the other thing is issues. And I think when I can present issues and be honest about the issues that are in front of us, now my team understands that, hey, you know what? Brandon's looking at this from all sides. But too many leaders who don't demonstrate this rigor in their logic, they present something as if it's all about unicorns and puppy dogs and everything's going to happen just the way we want it to because if we believe it, we can achieve it and nothing is going to stop us or get it our way and that is just plain not true. So I want to tell my team that, hey, there are things that could get in our way. If we believe it, that's the first step, but we still have to do the work that actually will get us to the finish line. So Here are some of the stumbling blocks that we should be aware of right up front. This isn't going to be a comprehensive list of all the stumbling blocks that could potentially get in our way, but here are some things that we know we should look out for in this process to make sure that we're on the right track. This is something that's so important, right? So when you understand facts and issues and you've presented that to your team, it just demonstrates that, hey, I've put some thought into this whole process. And the problem is, is so many of our, uh, of us as leaders and, and, and you probably fall into this category, you get busy and every day is busy, busy, busy. But when we're so busy that we don't take a step back to think about what we're doing and why we're doing it, it just creates real problems. And so I was doing a, a call with a team yesterday and I realized that like the team would talk about, hey, we bring up these great ideas with the owner. The owner shoots them down. And then later, the owner adopts those ideas. And it's not that they don't give them credit or anything like that. But they're like, well, you know, why not just ponder it for a minute before shooting it down? Because then later you institute whatever it is that we were talking about. And then it just seems weird that it's like, well, why didn't you just thoughtfully consider what we said to begin with, right? But it's because we're so busy, we don't take the time to think about those things. We make snap judgments, we we make snap reactions, and then you know we're left with the, to deal with the consequences of that. And as a leader, I want to give my team confidence in me by letting them know that, listen, when I move forward with something, it's because we've thought it out and we've really 
thought through this process. And sometimes that means I'm going to include my team in this process to think through this and brainstorm and make them a part of the process because now they can see how does Brandon think? How does Brandon work? Okay, that that makes a ton of sense, right? You can do something similar with your own team to get buy-in. But I see a lot of leaders who don't get buy-in from their team and they just dictate things that are going to be done And part of that buy-in is just making them a part of the decision-making process. That demonstrates that, hey, we have a process and a protocol for how we make decisions here. And without that, you're kind of left to making decisions on a whim. And those are going to be decisions that typically don't allow you to play your game at the highest level. So the second building block, right? The first one is having rigor in your logic. The second thing is authenticity. If you want to build trust, I want to build authenticity, right? Who I am is enough if only I would be it openly, right? And so I want to be authentic. And too many leaders are not authentic. And it's because we're taught early on that we shouldn't be authentic as leaders, right? Don't let them know that you have flaws. Don't talk about your failures. Don't talk about these things because then your team won't respect you. But the flip side of that is when you act like you've got it all put together and you don't do things wrong and you never admit When you're wrong, guess what? I guarantee you that your team will not respect you in that endeavor. Now, it may be true that you share something authentic and your team does not respect you for it, but I know it's definitely true that if you act like you've got everything put together and you um, pretend and posture in that manner, your team will definitely not respect you because everyone can see your flaws. Everyone knows your weaknesses, the question that I want to know as a, as a team member for you is, are you aware of the things that I see? Because again, you have blind spots that other people can see that you can't. And so authenticity is letting people know, this is what I am aware about myself. Now, there may still be things out there that I'm not aware of, right? And you know, blind spots exist on a day-to-day basis for us, but at least these are the things that I know exist and And I'm going to be open and real about what that looks like. And look, I think authenticity, if we've really done number one right, where we have rigor in our logic, we've talked about issues, we've talked about challenges. And look, when we present something, when we do something, don't beat around the bush. Like tell people like, look, this is what's great about it. But hey, let me tell you what sucks about this. Or let me tell you what may not be as as great as you would hope that it would be. And Let me paint the picture for you on all different sides. When I do that, people are like, okay, this guy's real. He's authentic. And part of being authentic is confront and confrontation. And so many times people don't confront behavior at work. And when they do that, people think, well, gosh, you know what? This person's not real, right? And I just, you know, I remember watching an employee get fired early on in my career who never saw it coming. And this person had a family and he was devastated and he was crying and it was really uh, a situation that that left a mark on my consciousness because I realized like I never want to have that A happen to me, but B, I never want to do that to another person. And so I talk with leaders all the time, and this could be you as well, that has concerns about an employee, but doesn't bring the concerns up to the employee. You think you're being nice by withholding that, But the problem is, is the more that goes on, the more resentment you build up towards that person, the more ineffective that person is at work, and the more other people resent them as well. And now this employee knows, they can sense that they're on the outside looking in, 
and they've done some things to maybe not curry favor with you, and they can feel that, but because the words are not coming from that, it creates a real state of uneasiness, like, huh, I don't know where I stand. And so we want to give people certainty at work because that's important, and authenticity and being real is important in that. And look, I'm talking about confrontation here too, but let me tell you another way that you can be authentic is by giving praise. And giving authentic praise and not being uh, stingy with your praise. And this is really easy to do at work, right? We take people for granted. We take our team members for granted. So we don't give them praise. But people need to hear praise uh, far more than they need to hear critique, feedback, and criticism. And so being authentic with that as well is really important in this process. And listen... If you want to know about authenticity and the importance of authenticity, I'll tell you this. If you want smart people to work for you, if you want smart people in your organization, here's what smart people despise, and it's politicians. And the reason why people despise politicians is because politicians are fake. And people play politics at work all the time. I've worked with leaders who've played politics. I know team members that play politics. I don't play politics. I don't like it. I despise it. I find that it's... uh, intellectually uh, mind-numbing to to participate in such a thing, and it, quite frankly, makes me angry. And so not being authentic and, and holding your cards close to the vest and playing games, that kind of stuff really puts people in a bad spot, and you'll lose favor with your team in a hurry if you play your organization in that way. So authenticity is building block number two. The last building block of trust is empathy. And people want to know, does does someone understand me? Does someone get me? Do they know where I stand? And listen, as I talk about empathy as a building block of trust, I can tell you as a leader, I have been guilty more times than I'd like to admit of not being empathetic to situations that have arisen at work and then had to deal with the ramifications of what that lack of empathy has done. And it's interesting, uh, This is a thought that came to me recently is in conversation at times, I like to be a winner of a conversation. I like to argue. I like to debate. And sometimes that will show up and manifest itself in a not very good way. And I had someone say this to me, and I think it was my therapist, but it may have been someone else uh, who said, Brandon, there's no empathy in winning. There's no empathy in being right. And when they said that, I thought, damn, That is so true. There's no empathy in being right. There's no empathy in winning because what is the price of doing that? And I know a lot of smart leaders who have all the answers, who know things right. I've I've been one of those leaders. I'm a I'm a recovering uh, you know knower of things, and so um, it's it's really easy to not uh, put our selves in other people's shoes. And so we create judgment, right? And when we create judgment about who someone is or how they're showing up, especially when they're our coworkers, we will treat them accordingly, right? That thought process mentally will start to manifest itself in the outward ways that we interact with that particular person. But empathy is about, look, not enabling behavior and not creating, uh, you know, a, a, an over sympathetic nature for someone's failure, but in also understanding that, hey, we're all human beings and we're, we all have a walk here and we're all doing our best. We're all doing our best. And so, how do we 
lean into that and meet people where they're at in that process of doing their best to help them get to their next step. And part of empathy is understanding other people's goals. And so the question I have for you is, do you understand your team's goals? Do you understand their hopes? Do you understand their dreams? And if you want to manage them to a certain standard, then it's understanding where they're at and where they want to go that's going to help that process be a whole lot easier. Because if you don't understand that and you don't bring them along their process, then it becomes a situation where you're managing people to your standard and you're trying to lead people to your standard. And it's very likely that they reject that standard or that standard doesn't speak to them or that's not why they come to work. And so now I'm having your standards being imposed upon me in a way that doesn't feel good, that doesn't feel uh, uplifting and and helpful. And so I'm going to get angry about that and reject that. And look, for some of you, empathy, it's a no-brainer, no problem. I got it. I do it. For others of you, right, like myself, empathy, a little bit more of a challenge, right? We have to really kind of lean in and dig in. And look, as a coach, it's really helped me to understand empathy and, and really lean into that process to really understand what do people need? Where are they at? How do I help them get to their next step? And how do I understand why they showed up the way they did, why they said the things that they said? And when I can create understanding around that, right? Proverbs chapter 20, verse five, the person, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters. One who has insight draws them out, right? And so look, uh, the purposes of your employee's heart are deep waters and your lack of empathy will inhibit your ability to go deeper with that employee because you're going to stay on the surface and judge what you see on the surface instead of figuring out what is the true motivation that this person uh, has right now in this moment and and then how do I lean into that particular process. So building building blocks of trust, so important in leadership so important with intention, right? Because when we talk about rigor and logic, when we talk about authenticity, when we talk about empathy, we talk about being intentional. This requires for some of us intention. For some of us, this is very natural. This is how we this is how we operate. This is how we work. But for others, right? It's a little bit more of a challenge and this requires intention, right? So how do I be a leader by design versus a leader by default? And how do I ensure that these things are present? every single week in my organization. So if you look at those things and you do those things, my guess is that your team is going to respond really well to that and they're going to embrace that. Now, they may not embrace it right away because some of that may be different than how they've related to you in the past. So they, you know, it may take some time for them to warm up to that. But over time, I can see this being a really powerful thing for you as a leader and for your team to really help you design the kind of experiences for your clientele that you want to design. Because again, point number four of the Total Experience Design Manifesto is the internal culture is the caretaker of the external experience. And so when we can get that internal culture right with trust, now that gives people permission to play big. That gives them permission to uh, really support people in a big way and do their best work for your clientele. And so try this out as a leader. Look at where you can do a better job in building trust with your own team. Look at what that looks like. Start implementing that this week. And if you have any questions, as always, go to newworkrevolution.com. Hit me up there or you can find me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, you name it. I am doing it. And uh, I would love to hear from you, love to answer any questions that you have. So, hey, I want to thank you guys for listening. If you guys enjoyed the show, please share it. Please rate it so other people can see it. And I will talk to you again real soon. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the New Work Revolution podcast on newworkrevolution.com. Until next time, take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution.